Kids Comics. And here are your hosts, Michael and Andrew Leyland. I was waiting for you. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How am I leading this one? I was going to, because you're, you're, you've got command seat centre in front of the microphone. Okay. Go on, then. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. No, that's weird. Isn't it? Go on, take charge. No, no, I'm fine with you taking charge. I'm, I'm quite happy at this point to take a back seat in the Captain <laughs> Kirk command chair. Right. I'll have a little rickety wooden chair. And you be the one stood behind me with your hands behind your back. <laughs> Saying that is illogical, Captain. Anyway, no, it's Hey Kids Comics. Hello. Welcome. Uh, hello. Pull up a chair. Enjoy yourself. Sit a spell. <laughs> take, take take the weight off and enjoy three, count them, three classic tales of yore from the mighty world of Marvel. This week we will be covering Tales of Suspense, number 39. There you go, original copy. <laughs> It's actual copy, actual it, copy of the comic. And you're, you hold, you're holding it. No, oh, yeah, no gloves. Yeah, no gloves or anything like that. Incredible Hulk number one. Again, actual comic. None of this digital filth. And then Avengers number one. And again, actual comic. Just throwing it you're down. Start, Disregarded start, you're going to start getting some ASMR. It's like... <laughs> like <laughs> These are not actually the original comics. These are the facsimile editions that Marvel and DC to be fair, have been putting out of late. I have fallen in love with them. Yeah. They're great. They're very they're, nice. They they're are. cool. They're, they're full-on replicas of the actual comics you would have bought in 1960-whatever. Three around that time for yeah. these. Uh, the only difference being they have a barcode on. And, of course, the price. The price. I did enjoy the price. <laughs> these are now $3.99, whereas they would have cost you $0.10, cents, $0.12. Cents. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I didn't do my research. I also liked the addition to Tales of Suspense saying, this is presented as it originally was. It's a little bit racist now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it does actually say that. This comic is presented as originally created and may contain, contain outdated depictions. Now, I don't know about you, but I think three ninety nine for a Tales of Suspense 39 is still pretty good value. I mean, how much would a real one of them cost you nowadays? Oh, uh, yeah. It would cost you a significant amount of coin. Uh, there's one of the DC ones. Uh, I bought the um, My Greatest Adventures, the first appearance of the Doom Patrol. I bought one okay. of them. There is no differential on the cover. If you put that oh, behind so the a price slab... the same as well. If you put that behind a slab, no one would know. I don't, it's only when you read the Indicia yeah. that it says this is a reprint. Jim Lee is co-publisher or whatever. Oh, but if you slab it up. If you slabbed it, I could sell that for millions. Grade it as well. Perfect condition. Yeah, this time next year, Rodders, we'll be millionaires. So that's what we're doing tonight. From the show that not but a couple of weeks ago, months ago, I promised you that we wouldn't just be doing cape shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's no capes in this. There is no cape. Well, Thor. Okay. Thor has a There's cape. There's one cape. It? Yeah. The red capes are coming. <laughs> yes, I just referenced Batman and Superman. But anyway, we're going to kick off with an email because some people have emailed in uh, to the show already. Thank you very much. Robert McCarthy. I love that you think YouTube is all negative. It is mostly. Pimp my comic, www.howcomics.com. I don't think all of YouTube's negative. I mean, only if you say... I mean... You've got to search on YouTube. It's only negative if you search in negative yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the damn fine. He does damn fine videos. See what he did there? Yeah. He's Australian bloke, and he does really well-edited, well-scripted, and he keeps them all at about 15 minutes. Right. Which is peak time 
Okay. For anyone such as myself. Right. Uh, unless he's doing something like Star Trek where he did like 30 minute videos for each season. Okay. He's good. And I like, who else do I like? Toy Galaxy. Right. Toy Galaxy are cool. Okay. I've watched videos on Toy Galaxy about things I couldn't care less about, like He-Man. Right, okay. So just the, the whole toy line stuff's quite fascinating. Right. It were Conan dolls. Yeah. And somebody went, Conan's an 18. <laughs> we can't sell 18 toys <laughs> to kids. So you know what they did? Okay. They did a clever piece of American capitalism. Yeah. They took 18 certificate movies like Robocop and Rambo turn them and turned them into cartoons. Yeah. <coughs> and now we can merchandise them. Robocop was on Fox Kids. Yes. And they did a TV show, Robocop, as well. Yeah, that was the one on Fox Kids. No, no. They did a cartoon and a TV show. Oh, right. Okay. Do you mean the live action show was on Fox Kids? Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. I, say I, I, I learned subsequently that it was on ITV. Because that was how I watched it. And then when I actually did watch Robocops, like, holy shit. <laughs> I did not expect to see that man get shot full of bullet holes. Can you imagine if Fox Kid has inadvertently shot the film by mistake? <laughs> uh, so no, I don't think they're all awful. Do you watch any YouTube channels that don't suck? Uh, oh, Clever Dick Films, he does good doctory videos. Um, I mean, I watch quite a bit. Um, the For kind of like nerdy stuff i watch digital foundry hmm. uh they kind of just like analyze this is really kind of lame uh like <laughs> uh games so just like oh what's the performance what uh technology do they use behind the graphics and the lighting systems and how does it work and how to put together um so that's that's quite interesting i find it interesting okay uh, i watch abroad in japan british expat over in japan does a lot of uh videos He's only a little bit older than me, so it's m- moderately entertaining. He's just released a book. So, yeah. That's, that's... People who watch YouTube can read books. And write them, yeah. Wow. That's, that's quite impressive. So I don't think everything on YouTube is negative. <laughs> Most of it is. But uh, there's a certain segment of negativity. Normally yeah. <laughs> represented, as you pointed out a couple of weeks ago, by angry thumbnails. Yeah. The, the shock reactions. Yeah, and if he's got an angry thumbnail, by and large, I just don't watch it. The bigger the gaping mouth, the yeah. angrier. Yeah. The, and the bigger the, the exclamation points yeah. on the titles. I don't bother with none of that film. So anyway, that was our first email. Thank you very much, Rob, for being the first person to email in after the show had come back. If that makes any sense. <laughs> no, Our yeah. other emails were before the show. Right, yeah, okay. So they'd not heard these right, new ones. Yeah, and right. they're now regretting their life decisions. <laughs> so anyway, our first one tonight is Tales of Suspense, issue 39. As I've already mentioned, if you were paying attention, I'll forgive you if you weren't. Which came out in March 1963, although my version didn't. <laughs> my version came out much more recently than that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the title, Iron Man is Born. Is he, though? <laughs> Credit, Stanley Plot, Larry Lieber did the script. Don Heck was the penciler. Don Heck was the inker. I think I've made a mistake, though. I don't think it's Don Heck. Maybe it's it is Don not. Heck. It just says oh, art is. by Don Heck. So, all right, let's assume Don Heck is the penciler and the inker for the sake of argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, the suit was designed by Jack Kirby. It shows. Yes, the, the suit is very, very Kirby-esque. I like this cover. Uh, it's got that monster comic vibe. Yeah. Rather than superhero. But and that's, it... that's typically what these kind of stuff was at that point, wasn't it? Like you yes. had Fin Fang Foom and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I love that it's got all of the uh, monster comic cliches of the day. Yeah. He lives. He walks. He conquers who or what 
is the newest, most breathtaking, most sensational superhero of all. Iron Man. That's cool. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool as well, because even reading this as well, it's bizarre that this is a superhero. This is, like, a monster character. Mm. And it's exactly the same as the Hulk. Well. In many ways. Slightly well, different. That's a monster character becoming a superhero, whereas this is a superhero monster. Yeah, well, it's, I, I think you can you can argue a case. Marvel didn't do superheroes in those early days. The Fantastic Four were not a superhero team. Yeah. The, the early issues were monsters, and yeah. it was science fiction. and Yeah. Only Spider-Man was a traditional superhero, except he wasn't because he was a kid rather than an adult. But even then, wasn't Spider-Man less superhero, more crime noir? Yeah, crime noir teen soap opera. Yeah. It was very um, 90210 meets the untouchables. Right, okay. What I would, to use two incredibly dated references. <laughs> Do you know what the untouchables was? I don't. It was a I mean, TV I, I show about Elliot Ness. Right. So it was all This is still and... answering no questions. Have you ever seen the untouchables, the film with Sean Connery? That's the Chicago way. No. You put one of those in the hospital. <laughs> we put one of those in the morgue. No? No. Oh. <laughs> Scottish man born in Chicago. You should watch The Untouchables. It's okay. great. All right, okay. Kevin Costner. Sean right. Connery. Brilliant right. film. One of Connery's best non-Bond performances. Okay. If we rank Be- Bond as... Better as than The peak. Rock, which is one of the Not best films ever Not better than made. The Rock, no. The Rock is one of the best films ever made. It is. I love The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here to talk about The Rock. Uh, the synopsis for this is probably something you've all read before. If you haven't, weapons manufacturer Anthony Stark takes his transistor-powered super magnets to Vietnam to aid the US Army in wiping out the commies. Stark is a popular bon vivant, wealthy, handsome ladies' man, so him actually going to Nam is merely a PR exercise. Whilst he's there, he activates a booby trap set by wrestling champ Wong Chu. <laughs> who is also a tyrant. I don't know what they're trying to say about wrestlers. Toppling villages by the power of his wrestling prowess. <laughs> this, is, this happens in the comic, dudes. I'm not making this up. Stark is wounded in the trap and a piece of shrapnel is closing in on his heart. He'll be dead in days. Alongside another prisoner, Professor Yin Sen, Stark sets about creating a weapon, ostensibly for Wong Chu, but actually a suit of armour that will keep Stark alive and bring Wong Chu's reign of terror... To an end. Right, as we've already mentioned, that there is a disclaimer on the front of this comic, to on the first page of the comic, sorry, not on the front, that says that um, it may contain outdated depictions. So, right. It, I mean, it doesn't may contain, it does. Well, again, we can pull this apart politically if we chose to do so. We could point out its relentlessly racist depiction of Wong Chu if we choose to do so. But everyone does that. But I mean, also, it's not a case of like it. It it, it is one hundred percent racist, but it's also contextually one hundred percent racist against the quote unquote enemy of the United States. Yeah. So yeah, what everyone says about it's true, and then we're just going to move on because <laughs> I can't be bothered with that on every single page because it is there. Yeah. There is no denying it, and the fact that Marvel felt the need to put that disclaimer there. But in Marvel's credit, I this is how I prefer it: put your disclaimer on, yeah, and then represent it as it was originally seen, yeah, and you can make your own mind up. Because again, a lot of people don't want to look contextually at what the times were like, and therefore, in the time that this was created, people didn't see this as a reflection of racism. They probably just saw it as this is the enemy, and this, and you dehumanize the enemy. That's yeah. how that's how you did it. That's how yeah. you did propaganda. 
That's how some nations still do. Yeah. So, okay, it is what it is. But before we do that, let's pause a moment for the people who say, when did comics become political? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this entire story? Comics were always political. They were just the politics that you agreed with. I don't know if that's even true. I oh, mean, there were probably people who disagreed with this at the time. I mean, it's 100%. It was only the 80s when comics started kind of really questioning... You know, like we've got here, this is just propaganda. You then get to the 80s where it starts questioning capitalistic propaganda and then it becomes like, oh, well, why is it becoming political? And even now it's, it starts questioning. That's that's always the thing that people always say, why are comics or why is any form of media so political now? It's not, it always was, but it was politics that you agreed with, so you were ignorant to it. Hmm. It's only now that you're having to question it that you're getting outraged. Or even if you didn't agree with it, you were living in those times that those strips were being made, hmm. mostly. So it was that was the the zeitgeist that was what yeah. was around, you know. So it's like the best the best forms of media are political. You know, what's the point of watching something if it doesn't have something to say? Well, you just mentioned The Rock. Yeah, The Rock is an incredibly political film. Yeah, it is a member of the American military holding the American government to ransom. Yeah, for not paying the pensions. Yeah. of servicemen who've died in the service of their country. And you, in your memory, though, that's just yeah. a frivolous little action film with Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage in Bad Two Pairs. <laughs> and when you watch it, you're like, huh. Well, and also going back to, to Robocop as well. Robocop yeah. is a, a, a parody, an anti-police parody. Yeah. I mean, it's ripping a lot off from Judge Dredd, yeah. which was also that. Yeah. But, you know, so it's all it is. It is. It's kind of always been there. There is an element, though, I think, and you can argue this if we're going to play devil's advocate. Right. Sometimes they go the other way. They go, they lean too far into it without presenting it as a balance. They've, I recently read Tom King's, um, no, it wasn't Tom King. It was the other Tom Taylor. Taylor. Right. His One Bad Day okay. by Raz Al Ghul. Right. You know that, that mini yeah, series yeah. they've done of all the, and that completely presents Raz as being right. Right. Okay. In everything that he's doing, yeah. including murdering people. Yeah. And Batman is wrong for stopping him. And even Robin, um, which version of Robin is it? It's Damien. Right. Says, oh, about these oil barons that are being killed by Rouse to protect the planet. Yeah. Well, maybe the cats will miss them. Right. So there's no subtlety or ambiguity in that yeah. story. But that's cutting your main character off at the knees. But then how much of that is also kind of, if it's written from the perspective of the character... Lex Luthor is always depicted as being right mm. if it's from his perspective. And that's what makes it interesting. Like, I don't mind stories that do that if the intent is to be from the point of view. But I You're... don't know how much of this is from Rouse's point of view. Obviously, he's the central character because it's one bad yeah. day with Raz al Ghul. Yeah. So if that is the, p the point of it, but at no point does Batman or Robin or any of the other characters really espouse the opinion, but he's killing people. Yeah. Batman is presented as wrong for getting in Raz's way. Now, yeah, that's Raz's point of view. If you just let me kill these people, I can fix the world. Mm -hmm. But there's never any opposing viewpoint offered. I mean, there's always has been that opposing view in Batman comics from Batman. Yeah. Like, Batman is always right in stopping the villain. So to have the villain kind of do it from their perspective, you, you still do have the opposing view. You've just already read it. I suppose so. And Braz was always a James Bondy villain, though, wasn't he? Yeah. His whole point is he's trying to wipe out Thanos, everybody. In his big evil base. In his big evil lure with his pretty girl. Yeah. Daughter or whatever. Anyway, whatever. Anyway. The, the central plot of this is Stan 
as give Tony Stark super magnets. Yes. Stan loved magnets. Yeah. <laughs> he was very fond of magnets. Uh, he doesn't seem to have a clue how they work, but he loves them. It's, it's also funny as well. Everything that we kind of know about Tony Stark's character now came from every iteration after this. Mm. The, the whole kind of tragedy of Tony Stark is not in this whatsoever. No. The man just invented some magnets and then stepped on a booby trap. That's it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's a lot of this was lifted straight out of this for the film. So fair play to him. They but, did actually read it. But yeah, you're right. Like none of the kind of tragedy of it being his own weapons. And nope. that's what, you know, what's his motivation in this? He simply just doesn't want to die. That's, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do a better job of, um, I mean, they may have updated it in the comics over the years as well. Well, yeah. I've not read enough re like reboots, recover yeah. versions of Iron Man's origin. Like this issue, know. like the backbone is there, but yeah. you know, all, all the other foundations that everyone remembers is absent from this. And they changed the villain. Yeah. For rather obvious reasons. Uh, and for going to that, on the DVD, Stan, there's a documentary with Stan Lee about the creation of Iron Man. Okay. Which he probably, created it 100%. Well, he, he did, yeah, which probably annoys everyone who's like, justice for Larry Lieber, <laughs> which I'm all for. Yeah. Give Larry Lieber his credit. Um, but he cre- he made Tony a weapons manufacturer because he knew the readership of the day would hate him because Vietnam was an unpopular war. Yeah. Which is bollocks. <laughs> that stands retroactive thinking, yeah. really. He was already having doubts about the material. I'll give him that because he pretty much apologizes for the depiction of Wong Chu in his introduction to Sons of Origins. Right. Which was the early 1970s. So this edition of that little disclaimer, that's not new. Mm. Stan was already struggling with that, but the fact that he did it deliberately is bollocks. Yeah. I mean, again, Tony Stark's character is... You get the impression that they are trying to turn him into, like, a monster... Yeah. um, Like, tragedy character, but the tragedy isn't there. It's simply a freak accident. And then he's like, oh, well, you know, I've got to become a monster now. The man in the Iron Mask. It's kind of quite funny that he's meant to be this tragedy character. He's depicted as this tragedy character, but they don't give him enough tragedy to do it with that. Well, the ending of it, it heavily implies he can't take the Iron Man suit off. Yeah. And that's forgotten in the next issue, I think. Yeah, literally. So it's kind of like they wanted to, you know, continue the tradition of what these magazines were, of, mm. you know, the, the monster of the week, turning Tony Stark into this monster. But then they're just like, now nah, we've got this uh, superhero team-up book down the line. <laughs> I don't believe for a second they knew the Avengers was well, going yeah, to be this. Fair, yeah. I don't believe that at all. But it feels like they had more plans. Yeah. Like he was supposed to be a monster of the week, but they wanted to reuse him. As with Spider-Man, it stands alone as a strip in Tales of Suspense had yeah. they not decided to carry it on. Yeah. It works as one of those 12-page, oh, that's a shame, endings. Yeah. Um, and if they'd not carried the story on, it wouldn't really have mattered. Did you get the, the subtle comic book subtext that was probably not planned in anywhere? Right. All right, go with me. Okay. Tony designed the suit, yep. but he cannot make it without Yinsen. Yeah. Yet Tony takes all of the credit. Yep. <laughs> Why has no one ever done a story where Yinsen's family come after Tony demanding credit and royalties? <laughs> Why has that never been a thing? Just a lawsuit. Yeah. Do we, we want Yinsen's name <laughs> on the Iron Man suit. It's uh, created by Stark Yinsen. Yinsen Industries. Yeah, that would be... I actually think that'd be a great story. I mean, it probably wouldn't end well for Yinsen's family because, you know, Tony's got Disney money. 
Uh, the level of technobabble when Tony makes his suit reverse the polarity of the bazooka charges is off the chart. Did you read that? No, I mean, I mean yeah, but... When he's... Uh, let's see, I bet I can't find it. though. Oh, yeah, here you go. So the firing bazooka's at him. Yeah. And he just stands there. Get the grenades. Bring the bazookas. Quickly, you fools, quickly. So why are they bringing the, the bazookas, which apparently takes them ages? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got time wrestling. to... Yes, <laughs> Too busy having wrestling matches. I'll just reverse the charge on the magnetic turbo insulator and use the top hat transistor to increase its repelling power a thousandfold. The reverse magnetism worked like a charm. It's the magnets again. Like, and that was that was it for like a, if I remember from years ago when I read all these. The big thing with Iron Man wasn't his costume. It wasn't the armor. It was the magnets. The magnets had, were the most important and thing. Like, it's not even as if he's got any gadgets or weapons. He just pulls out his magnet. Yeah, he just whips out a magnet. And the magnet is so powerful that a bloke is literally, what, five feet in front of him. Yeah. Fires a bazooka at him. And he's got enough there that makes it turn exactly. away. There's no beat in those magnets. <laughs> and that, that goes back to... You know, <laughs> When we're saying that the tragedy of Tony Stark is that, you know, he's he's hit by his own weapons and then he vows to never use them. No, in this, he's there because he created a, he invented a magnet and yeah. then he just gets hit by a booby trap and then he's just like, what'll save me? More magnets. So the man just loved his magnets. He did. He was very fond of his magnets. Just like um, Stan was fond of asbestos in the human torch strip. <laughs> and now everyone's got cancer. Yeah. Uh, he was fond of magnets here. The ending was great. I did like that Tony was just done with this guy. He's just, I've had enough of this yeah. at this point. And he throws him around and deliberately blows him up. Oh, yeah. It's not self-defense. It's not accidental. He deliberately kills this guy. Now, no one's going to miss him. Yeah. I mean, maybe the Wrestling Federation, but I don't know. <laughs> but it's still an odd choice for the time period that he deliberately sets him on fire. Because he's running towards the ammo dump. Tony deliberately sets the ammo dump to blow up yeah. as he's running past it. Yeah. He's dead, dude. I mean, yeah, but I don't think there was... They, they, they weren't exactly hiding it. It wasn't a case of, oh, no, it was an accident. No. Like, they, they depict him. There's not even... You, you do get the impression that from later books, Stan would have added a line here about, oh, no, I didn't want him to run that close. Like, <laughs> I didn't mean to kill him. Yeah. But... If this is where you're getting your inspiration from, from your Iron Man movie, the fact that Iron Man has no trouble blowing people away is perfectly okay, because he does it in this opening story. He kills yeah. the guy. I don't get why he wouldn't. Like, Because if you think about it, Iron Man has always been an invention of war. Yeah. So, you know, like Captain America, no issue with Captain America, like, killing the bad guys. No, that's true. We, we never, we seem to turn a blind eye to Captain America doing it, don't we? Especially when he's in a wartime situation. So Iron Man, yeah, this is Vietnam. Why, why, why wouldn't he kill the enemy? Yeah. All right, fair enough. They've just killed his best buddy? Yeah. Uh, like, well, we've already discussed the ending where the implication is that you can't take the suit off, which is, you know, typical Marvel tragic character of the time. Uh, but that seems to be forgotten pretty quickly. But it does say at the bottom that there will be another great Iron Man thriller yeah. in the next issue of Tales of Suspense. So they clearly had him in mind as becoming a regular addition to the strip. So this wasn't like it was a pilot and then they were going to wait and see if the audience reaction was good and they, then bring him back. They knew this would be yeah, the character. They knew yeah. this. Overall, I enjoyed this. Honestly, I genuinely thought this was quite a fun story. Yeah. 
it works despite the brevity, like you said, despite the lack of character development or motivation, really. It is literally, I want to survive. So he yeah. builds the suit. Um, I honestly think the film did his origin better. Yeah. But it's good, isn't it? Now, I've always liked this, because I remember the first time I read it, I, I, I tore through all of that omnibus when that came out. Yeah, the first I am one. The, but yeah, the thing with, with rereading it, and you kind of just have that realisation that everything that you know about this character did not come from this story. Yeah. It comes from later iterations, doesn't it? Uh, because this is a full-on reprint, the buy some encyclopedias is the <laughs> adverts. Uh, and then there's there's a short story. Didn't they used to have these short stories so they qualify as magazines? Oh, did they? And stay okay. on the racks longer. Right. I think that's true. Okay. I could be wrong, but I think, I'm sure there was something, there was a reason they had short stories in it. Uh, to many want to get big money, but don't know how to get started. So that's always been around. <laughs> Uh, and once Iron Man finishes after, oh, there's draw the first day, no lesson, no talent. <laughs> and I'm sure artists of comic books love having that yeah. advert in. If you can't draw, you can draw your family. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, this was a 13-page story. Sell grit. Okay. Learn to dance fast and some live seahorses. All right. There was another strip called The Last Rocket. Did you read that? I did. It was all right. Uh, it was Battlestar Galactica. It is Battlestar Galactica, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they all flee the Earth to Cylon Tyranny. And, and then the plot twist is that it was Earth all along. Yeah, and it's it. Adam and Eve. Yeah. yeah, I read it as well. Uh, reward, $9,985 for this coin, which is still a lot of money today. There's the final part of your um, short story. Buy mail, hypnotize, play guitar in seven days or your money back. <laughs> 25 diff china tents. I don't know what that is. Poems wanted. I wonder if you brought to any of these, if any of them are still in business. I don't know. It's highly unlikely. And then a Stanley Steve Ditko Gundar strip. Um, which again, it was alright, wasn't it? About it was the Vikings. Like, these are just like Twilight Zone episodes, yeah, really. Not great much. ones as well. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of plastic toys about knights from the round table, presumably. Uh, boys become men. <laughs> Right. Okay, Secret of Attracting Girls. That's Flex Mentalo. It is Flex Mentalo. That's Mike Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Flex Mentalo. Learn Radio Electronics and Saturday Morning Shoe Store. How adverts have changed <laughs> in the intervening years. But there's some, yeah, it was fun that. I enjoyed that. Personally, I still wish we could write to someone and get free drawing lessons with no talent. <laughs> We've got no talent, so <laughs> come in and write us an issue. All right, fair enough. Uh, we're going to do another email. We're going to do the emails in between each comment and see if I'm that works. Them out, okay. Do you like this? Do you like our I new... I, will, I mean, we'll see how it goes. All right, we'll see how it goes. Michael Bailey wrote our next email, which was nice. Hey, Mike. Andy and Michael. Hello. I'm credited. You, you, <laughs> I mean, you would. Yeah, well, there is that. I do one of my patented greetings, but I'm tired and old and don't have the energy. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when he was a studly young buck when we started? We all were. <laughs> Those are the days. It was. Linear time. Uh, it makes you feel better. I am writing this at work. <laughs> <laughs> the more things change. Anyway, welcome back. I'm so glad you all are back. I re-listen to old episodes on the regular. And having new episodes makes me happy. However, Jesus Christ, guys. How now does it to remember you started in 2011? <laughs> Valid point. Okay. Yeah. You took way too long remembering that. I remembered that, and I was only part of the show as long-winded and boring feedback. <laughs> Other than that, so happy about this. I'll be waiting with Antissi. Regards, Mikey might be. Well, thank you. Yes, we, it did take me a while to remember. 
Well, that, uh, Vass, Vass was never a strong point, was it? No. If you go back and listen to the old ones, Vass was never our forte. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, Incredible Hulk number one, cover dated May 1962. Ten years before I was born. <laughs> Just throwing that out. Title, The Coming of the Hulk. I understand that that was also the porn <laughs> title for this character. <laughs> Because you know there will be a porn uh, hole. Right? I mean, the, the more than likely. More than likely. I've never seen it. Is his dong man or monster? <laughs> or both? Oh, hi, kids. Hulk smash! Oh, dear me. He does grow when he changes. Uh, Stanley is credited as the writer. Jack Kirby is credited as penciler. Paul Reinman is credited as Inca. I think this is a classic cover. I actually think it's one of Kirby's best. Mm. I love this. The copy's pretty good for this one as well. The strangest man of all time. Fantasy as you like it. Is he man or monster? Or is he both? Uh, that one phrase would completely come to dominate Al... What was his name? Ewing. Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many, many years down the line. What I like about this is not only is it Bruce Banner becoming the Hulk, which is nice, yeah, and the Hulk has a very Frankenstein vibe, yes, which is also pretty cool. But we'll notice as well that we've made a big deal over the years about in this particular issue he's grey. The Hulk is grey, okay. not green. Right. And then in subsequent reprints they call it him green. Okay. So it just went away that he was grey. Right. And then somewhere along the line, I can't remember whether it was John Byrne or Bill Mantle or Peter David, but it was one of those guys. Decided that no, he was grey in canon, and therefore okay. he was grey at the beginning and he became green. Right. And that led down the path that it went. However, no one has ever pointed out that Bruce Banner has blonde hair on this cover. Yeah. It's just a colouring issue. That's it. So Grey Hulk wasn't. Well maybe this is the you know, one of them is uh, Robert Banner and one of them is Bruce <laughs> Banner, one of <laughs> and one of them's David Banner. Well yeah, exactly. Okay. So there you go, you've got three different Bruces. Three different banners. Different different hairstyles. Yes. All right, okay. Because in the actual comic, Bruce has brown her, not blonde her. If, if, if everything's canon, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying there was a, there is a blonde Bruce Banner out there. Nothing else is different. Just <laughs> He's just got blonde her. <laughs> Ed Norton dyed his hair blonde. That's what I'm saying. Split into five parts, the coming of the Hulk is the origin. Bruce Banner has developed the Gamma Bomb, a devastating weapon of mass destruction, and it's caught in its detonation when he enters the test area to save a teenager who has wandered in on a dur. What a buffoon. <laughs> As night falls, Bruce Banner finds himself transformed into a bestial savage creature of some intelligence who craves solitude. So the smart thing, you know, leave him alone. The creature, named the Hulk by the pursuing army, is taller than the average man with more defined musculature I can never say that word, and a greyish tinge to the skin. Ruthless and brutal, this Hulk is prone to outbursts of rage. Only the teenager Rick Jones is aware that the Hulk is Dr. Banner. It is revealed that Banner wasn't caught in the explosion by accident. His assistant, Igor, how they ever let anyone work on this project who was called Igor is a complete mystery. But it turns out, Kel surprise, that he's a plant by the commies. There's a thread running through these three comics. <laughs> And they send the guy, the guy goil, the gargoyle, a misshapen monster of a man to retrieve Igor. 
The Gargoyle learns that Banner and the Hulk are one and the same, and jealous of Bruce's ability to change back and forth, longs to be able to return to the man he once was. Banner aids him, and the Gargoyle turns on his own country, killing his masters and himself. Wow. This was a wild ride. Like this, this, this was literally a page turner because it was, it just rocketed through with breakneck speed. But because of the page, like it's like, where are we going now? This yeah. is a horror story. No, now it's a superhero story. No, now it's like, what are we doing next, guys? It is, it is a weird one. This in the sense that it's a full length, a book length thriller. As yeah, they, as they used to be called. It's not a thirteen page story. And it's just wild. It's honestly like Stan was just throwing shit at the walls and seeing what stuck. And it's like, where are we going next, guys? I always like to think that Jack just drew the wackiest pages <laughs> yeah. he could. And he was secretly thinking, right, Stan, write yourself out of that. Just pushing the Marvel method <laughs> yeah. to its limits. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> and now I've got this big gargoyle creature. You can just see Stanley look at the pages going, the hell? Take all the credit for this, will you? <laughs> That would be hysterically funny if we felt it was true. But you're right. It's it's halfway through, or less than halfway through, really. It becomes a completely different story. Yeah. And a completely different strip instead of focusing just purely on the origin. I love the splash page. I love that the splash page, the Hulk, is like Lou Ferrigno sized. Yeah. He's not massive. He's not seven to ten foot tall. He's probably, what, six foot five, six foot ten? Maybe yeah. seven foot at a, at a pinch. But he's well defined, and but he fits in clothes. Yeah, he's like this interpretation is more monstrous yeah. than monster. Yeah, only the shirt is ripped. The pants still fit him. There's not like a gap between the knees. Yeah. He's not grown that much. And I think that's a great splash panel. I don't know what it is about Kirby. He seemed to respond more to the Hulk than perhaps to Iron Man, and then later to the Avengers. Yeah, I think maybe the Hulk was what a more fun character to draw. Well, I think. You know, Kirby at this point was just the the monster cartoonist, though, yeah. wasn't he? So I think having an actual monster character probably fit in with with yeah. his aesthetic. All right, fair enough. For a Stanley script, this is actually quite well set up. Yeah, uh, Igor is badgering Banner from the start as to the secret of the gamma bomb. So you're setting up though that Igor is. Perhaps not to be trusted if you ignore his name. I mean, you already knew that he was a villain. Oh, yeah. The military were not doing background checks here. <laughs> Apparently not, no. I mean, you only have to look at his face. You only have to look at how Kirby well, just the fact that it, As soon as you knew, knew that it was called Igor, yep. you, would, you would have thought that like a, a spy would have at least changed his name. Yeah. It's not as if there's a Cold War going on or anything. What's your name? I, uh, Steve. <laughs> yeah. 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 Igor. Come on, unless try he's, harder, unless Igor. He's very confident in his abilities. <laughs> Perhaps he is. But he's managed to get this far and not actually found out the secret of the G-bomb. Um, no relation to G-spot. Uh, as Banner has kept his formula to himself, there's no one else knows what this formula for the G-bomb is. No, but we find out he has the worst hide-and-spot yeah. formula. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not as it's taped no one the, will ever find it's it. taped to the bottom of glass. <laughs> Famous for its abilities to not see things through. <laughs> yeah, um, as as a as a hider of secrets, <laughs> he's an excellent scientist. <laughs> the fact that he's got them all in like just a book as well yeah. that says "G bomb secrets, <laughs> do not open." Plus, <laughs> the thing that that is amazing to me: why would General Ross allow him to do that? Why would he allow him to keep it all a secret? I don't know. It doesn't make a lick of sense. But as with Stark, 
ban as a weapons designer. Mm-hmm. But unlike Stark, who did actually seem to show a little bit of remorse yeah. for what he'd done, Banner has none. Oh, no. He's not, he does not feel at all guilty for his actions here. There's no inclination he was forced into this. Nope. Or that the military was funding a project and in return expected something back. Yep. There's none of that. Banner designed this weapon of his own free will. Banner just hates the commies, man. He hates everybody. <laughs> There's an Oppenheimer level of arrogance to him. Yeah, but Oppenheimer showed remorse. Yes, that, but that's, that's where <laughs> oh, I was no. going with you're, it. You're telling me that my uh, my, my yeah. man killer was used to, to kill men? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like he, he doesn't care, does he? No, Banner wants it. He could not it. give he a toss. I mean, he was happy at the end when the gargoyle blew up. He's like, yes! <laughs> He's really thoroughly unsympathetic Yeah, as a lead character. He's aloof. He's brusque. He's thoroughly unlikable. He's unlikable on a level that makes Peter Parker look cuddly. I mean, the funny thing about him, though, is you kind of gloss over how unlikable he is because Rick Jones is bordering on the unlikable as well. It's like, why is this small child following me? Go away. <laughs> I don't know that Rick Jones is unlikable, but he's irritating. I mean, I would have slapped Rick Jones. Like, oh, I'm going to follow you because we're pals. No, we're not. Go away. <laughs> I'm going to stick with you, Hulk. And, <laughs> and he might have slaps him away as well. I was like, go away. Well, the thing is, if the Hulk slapped him away like that, would he not have broke his neck? <laughs> Unless it was just a gentle tap. I don't know. But this comic is full of unlikable, unsympathetic characters. Yeah. And, like, give him credit for that. Yeah. You know, over at DC, everyone was a paragon of virtue. Everyone, you know, helped old ladies cross the street. And yeah. Rescued cats from trees. And all I mean, they may gaslight their girlfriends every now and again, but nobody's perfect. <laughs> but these guys, God, General Ross is an arrogant, sexist pig. Yeah. Even this is by man 19- talk. Yeah. Even by 1960s James Bond standards. This is not a long dear man talk. I suppose the thing with it as well is if if you know if Stan is anti-war, all of these characters are warmongers, in, instruments of war. Yeah. You know why would you make them likable? Yeah, there is that, and the, uh, again, let's give him all the credit in the world for doing that. He essentially is taking the heroes of his strips and yeah. going against the general maxim that your heroes have to be likable. Yeah. And if if anything, then the the fact that he turns into Hulk, he turns into this monster, is a kind of poetic poetry of it. Like yeah. you've created this bomb, you have now become. Yeah. yeah. You did this to yourself in yeah, many ways. Literally. And you're without Rick Jones, this wouldn't have happened. But what better comeuppance? Yeah. Is there for him than to have this done to him by the product of his own hand and his yeah. own intelligence? I mean, he he does seem occasionally to blame Rick for this, but ultimately you made this bomb, this devastating weapon, for no other reason than you could. Yeah. There's like I said, there's no there's no inclination he's been funded for this. There's no inclination he's been forced into it. Yeah. There's none of that. He built this like Tony Stark did. Yeah. He did it deliberately. And maybe at the time that this was written, this is another contextual thing, maybe this was just considered the done thing to do. Yeah. It's possible. I don't know. Uh, Igor allows the continuation of the countdown, which is, you know, that wasn't a surprise. But I did like the tent. I love how Kirby lays that out. It's just block panels, block square panels, but the tension he builds up Mm. 
as he's, he throws... I mean, you don't actually see him throw Rick into the, the blast tunnel. No, the di- dialogue does a lot of heavy lifting yeah. in some bits. The dialogue does a heavy, the heavy lifting there. I think a panel of them chucking Rick in there as the explosion goes off would have been yeah. more interesting. What's also interesting is this origin has never been done on film. Oh, yeah? Ever. They have never done a proper origin of the Hulk in live action. They may have done it on the cartoons. Yeah. Because Rick Jones is in the cartoons wearing a massive cowboy hat. I mean, I guess it's kind of difficult too. With Tony Stark, you can always kind of update it. But with something like this, you're essentially redoing the Manhattan Project, really. Mm. That's that's what this is. And you can't really update that. So they've all took the cue now from the TV show. Because it was the TV show that first came up with the idea that he's experimenting in trying to find ways that humans can really access the the peak of their physical strength. Yeah. Now, in the film, they tie it into the Marvel Universe, don't they, that he's trying to replicate Cap Serum. Yeah, yeah. Which works. I mean, I think either of those work as well, more so than this does. This origin is probably more dated than any of the other ones, simply just because of this is a reflection of the times. This is something that actually happened. Yeah. And Even ne- Spider-Man, you and, can update yeah. it. Whereas this, it's, it's never happened since. It's so tied to the Manhattan Project mm. and the the Cold War. Yeah. You can't update this because it's never happened since. Whereas you know Vietnam became, the Gulf War became this. So that was always happening. Whereas this is just very much rooted then. It also means we've never had a live action Rick Jones. I'm saddened by that. Really? Uh, maybe saddened is the wrong word. <laughs> I don't know. Rick Jones is like... Jimmy Olsen, but not as cool. Oh, no, no. Rick Jones is snap a car. Right. <laughs> Rick Jones is on the level of... It took Peter David to make me like Rick Jones. And that's when Rick Jones becomes a musician and starts singing superhero pop songs. Right, And makes okay. it big, and he actually ends up on TV yeah. with his superhero pop songs. Okay. But he's bounced around. He's been Captain America's partner for a bit. Yeah. And then he was Captain Marvel's partner for a bit. Oh, really? So yeah. he just loves getting... He just likes the clout, doesn't he? Yes, he just like He's a superhero grouper. <laughs> That's it, yeah. That's what he is. Uh, Banner does rescue Rick. Light with Igo, where background checks are not a thing, as you've pointed <laughs> out. Security was so lax on this military site that Rick was just able to just... Just drive in, yeah. Drive in. He didn't sneak in. <laughs> he literally drove his whatever he's driving... Oh, he's, dry, he's got a hot rod, it says, doesn't it? But he doesn't actually say what kind of car it is. As far as I know, Rick never gets any comeback from this. No. Does he? He's never... The head of the base is not punished, which is presumably General Ross. Like, there's no keeping him captured where he doesn't spill any secrets or anything like nope. that. It's just... No, nope. kid, this kid just tootles in. Maybe Ross should have spent less time berating Banner... And more time actually doing his job. Yeah. Because this is General Ross's fault at the end of the day. He's the head of the the base. At the end of the day, security is presumably his responsibility. Yeah. He's just like this kid. Eh, yeah, don't matter, does it? <laughs> That's going to happen. Yeah, well done. Uh, there's a brilliant line. Hours later, he's still screaming. Yeah. Which is one of the best moments in the Silver Age of comics. Just that more than anything else captures what he's gone through. Well, and just the two panels as well. Yeah, those ones have just that's that's the same as just Bruce just screaming with yep. the different backgrounds. If anything, they would have been better kind of next to each other. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of a layout thing that oh, I'm gonna get what he did, but Kirby's actual drawing of the two panels is pretty much identical. Yeah, is fantastic. It's just such a great scene transition. 
and a great line of dialogue. And you can say what you want about who did what and who wrote what and what credit should be passed out and all of that stuff. I'm like, give everybody credit. Yeah. What does it matter? Give them some credit. Give them some money. Disney, you've got more than enough money. But Stan earned his stripes, though. He was still screaming hours later. He earned it. Yeah. Unless that was a note from Kirby in the margins, <laughs> which it may very well have been. In which case, we will give him the credit for that as well. But it's whoever did it, it's a great line. The first transformation is also very well done. Um, the the tic tac of the Geiger counter, provoking yep. the transformation. I think the colouring hurts it, whereas Kirby's art is great, and kind of would be mimicked by John Byrne later on in three panels. But I, I would love to see like a recolored version of this because I'm a bit of a yeah. I quite like the recolored versions. Yeah, so there's there's a lot in this on Kirby's part. He's very good with his kind of storytelling and i don't mean like your typical kind of one so what we were saying earlier a lot of these panels just kind of like jump from beat to beat but these smaller sections like there's a bit later on where all that happens is just the lighting changes Mm. but he does a lot of these really well kind of like yeah uh, like the, the the smaller bits he really nails on in this issue there seems to be more investment by the purr of them in this yeah. Than the his perhaps in Iron Man and the Avengers and certainly the X Men. Yeah, this this feels more like a story rather than a concept. Yeah, it feels like they've come up with something here that is really good, and sadly they would never be able to follow up on it. Yeah, because the whole is basically a different status quo every issue, as they try and find what works for the character. Uh, how he's named is a bit stupid. Yeah, <laughs> what a Hulk. Yeah. And that's basically one guy, one army guy says, um, fan out, men, we've got to find that that Hulk. And then the next thing, everyone's calling him the Hulk. Yeah. Now, okay, the five or six people that are with him, <laughs> fair enough. But suddenly everyone is referring to the Hulk. People that were miles away, not even in earshot, are calling him the Hulk. Yeah. So that's a bit stupid. That said, part two splash page is brill. Kirby's depiction of the Hulk hiding behind a rock yeah. is absolutely fantastic. I can't fault Kirby's out in this one. I think this is my, of the three of them, this is my favourite art job. Yeah. And with I the mean, acknowledgement, you know, Kirby didn't do Tales of Suspense. I mean, it's not, I think we've spoken this all the time, like it's not until later on, maybe when he goes to DC, that I actually like Kirby when he becomes Jack the King Kirby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is quite close to it because I think at this point we're what a year, maybe two years into Fantastic Four, yeah, and that's when he really kind of starts his progression of refining into his style and becoming more experimental. Yeah, whereas the, the, there's a lot of good stuff in this one, but it's not experimental. No, all the panels are pretty much straightforward. You've pretty much got like six panel pages or nine panel page grids or whatever. That's pretty much what you've got. And there's no real demarcation between Banner and the Hulk, really. The Hulk's just like an angrier, grumpier... Yeah. He's like me in the morning. Oh, he's, he's intelligent, he's smart. Yeah. It's only later on that he becomes a big dum-dum, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. in this early one. Yeah, he is. He's, he's quite clever. And the Hulk's got a desire he doesn't understand to get to Banner's home to protect the formula. Yeah. So there's, very de- there's not as much of a difference between the two as they would go, and the Hulk being a schemer... Is a little bit more interesting than being a dumb child. Yeah, and it's, it's more... This is more Jekyll and Hyde yeah. kind of vibes, whereas later on they kind of lean into more of a... He's just a monster. He's yeah. just a completely separate thing. Whereas and, it's actually quite interesting to give him that Frankenstein-like... Yeah. 
he's, he, he's, you know, he's got his, all of his memories here. He's still got all of his intelligence, but there might be like that barrier that's kind of getting in his way. Yeah. It mentions that he's going home out of instinct, but that knowledge, that memory's still there. Yeah. It is quite cool. I quite liked it. It does make it, it makes it resonate a bit more that he's, he's actually knows what he's doing. And then when he chucks Igor around, he gets back to Banner's home and Igor's already there searching for the formula. As you say, it's not, didn't particular, look very hard. Yeah, it's not particularly well hidden. Tape to the bottom of a lamp. Top secret report on the <laughs> bottom of a glass beaker. Yeah. But he's labelled it top secret report on Gamma Ray Bomb. Yeah. Instead of just calling it some, like recipe for apple pie <laughs> so no one would ever think what it is. Yeah. He's called it report on Gamma Ray Bomb. So not only... Okay. Do, I mean, Bruce Banner just enjoyed his work. He wanted everyone to read it. But why has he kept it sec- it secret? Exactly. But he throws Igor around, which is quite savage. And he is literally only moments away from killing him and Rick. Yeah. Before the sun comes up and he changes back. And this is the first major status quo thing that they would later change, is that he only changes at night. Yeah. And then the arrival of the sun. So there's a bit of the werewolf legend to it as yeah. well. Even though, you know, that seems a bit silly. To me, but no, whatever. Banner's changed back. The army arrive. They find Igor. Banner just makes out that, yeah, we found Igor trying to treat the formula. <laughs> Ignore my ripped up clothes. Yeah, the formula's never mentioned again. No. So presumably, General Ross takes it as a copy of it and could redo this bomb yeah. whenever he wanted to now. Yeah. Because that's a MacGuffin that's never picked up on. Bruce and, waiting for the sunset there. Yes, with, that's the panel you were on about it, with the, the night descent. out Kirby art there. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, the end of part three, Banner contemplating his fate, is one of the best pieces of characterization in the Silver Age. He's not happy about this. This isn't a good thing. He's no. not Barry Allen getting the powers of the Flash. There's almost a sense of acceptance to yeah. it, though. Like he's, he's, He doesn't like it, but this is his fate now. Yep. This this is very much this will ruin Bruce Banner's life, and there seems to be those three panels. There seem to be an acknowledgement that this is one of the key tenets of the whole, the tragedy of it all. Yes, Ben Grimm is stuck as the thing. Yeah. But overall, Ben Grimm is worshipped as a hero. People yeah. look up to him. He's part of a team yeah. that is well liked and established, and part of the the firmament of New York City. Everybody yeah. loves the Fantastic Four. The Hulk's hounded. Well, that not only that, but it's linking back to the bomb as well. Like mm-hmm. you know, the, this is what you created. You created something that ruins lives. Yeah, and the, so that's interesting. And I love that both they're not. He's not a hero. No, going back to what we said at the top. But he's of not the a show. victim either. No, like he would later be represent like interpreted as a victim, but he's not. He's he's a victim of his of himself. His own hubris. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, that the first half of this book is brilliant, and it should have just ended there. But we yes. have to keep on going into this fantastic four, the four kind yeah. of. Well, I'm story. I'm sure I've read a reprint that did end there. Yeah, because the rest of it, I don't want to say it ruins it, but it derails it. Yes, I, yeah. I mean, I've actually written on the note that the last two chapters just aren't as interesting to me. It's just another Reds under the bed polemic. It's yeah. another us versus the commies. I get that that was what was in the atmosphere of the time. It's something you'd say for like maybe issue, an issue later on. Yeah. Follow back up on Igor. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's a nice touch that the gargoyle is being abused by his people and he turns on them when Banner cures him. But it's a very, very, again, brave storytelling decision 
to have the bad guy be a more sympathetic figure than your hero. Yeah. You really actually feel sorry for the gargoyle that he's been transformed like this and he's been forced into doing this government work that he doesn't believe in and doesn't want to do. Yeah. And Banner helps him out, which is the first nice thing Bruce does in and this it, entire comic. If anything, that makes it the antithesis. Like yeah. he's he's forced to be a monster because of the work that he's forced to mm-hmm. do. But it is hilarious. Again, it comes back to the pacing of it that they just kidnap Bruce. They bring him back over to their country. It's like, oh, you can just change him. He's like, yeah, I'll just fix you like in between panels. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> yeah, there's no answer. Gargoyle's just like, all right, you go. And then he blows up the base of the, the Russians. Yeah. And Bruce is just like, yep, don't care, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bruce is completely un- unconcerned, isn't he? He's like, the end of the Gargoyle and perhaps the end of Red Tyranny. <laughs> so he's perfectly fine with all these Russians dying. It's just like, ah, they're, they're doing my work for me. Yeah, well, they're the bad guy who cares. Which is, you know, again, what was in the atmosphere of the time. The first three parts are a horror story. Yeah. And that's what really sets it apart from other Marvel comics of the time. And the first three parts of this are what they tap into for the TV show. Yeah. It's only as I've got older and actually watched Frankenstein and stuff, how many shots from the pilot movie are lifts from Frankenstein. Uh, Isn't it the scene with the the dog or the girl by the lake? Yeah, well, yeah, which yeah. is a scene from which Frank is a scene yeah. from, and it's shot in the same way as well. And it, but it seems to be taken a lot from the Universal horror movies of the thirties and forties generally. Yeah, that's part of the Hulk's DNA. But yeah, I, the first half of this is brilliant. I love the first half of this. The Hulk's origin is you can see why other writers have mined it later for more stories. It's just a shame that it carried on as as a you know monster story mm. it worked really well but then they had to turn it into a superhero story yeah. and that's when it's it's at its weakest kind of falls off the cliff of it again the ads in this one are pretty much the same start your own business as an electrical appliance repair man these must have come out at the same time though wouldn't they yeah i think they well, well let's have a say so hulk came out because blah, 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 i have notes may 1962 iron man came out March 1963. Right, okay. So there is there is about a year between the two of them, I guess. And the next one is September 63, but we'll get to that in a moment. That's called a tease. After these messages. After these messages. Uh, Want no. to draw but have no talent. <laughs> We've got no these messages this time. We are just going to read the email. And the email for this one is by Damien Lee, who also emailed him before he heard that the show was coming back. Damien General Lee. Damien General Lee is back. Hi, Damien. Morning, Andrew and Michael. Well, it's afternoon for us, but, you know, time zones. (laughs) They're a thing. You have no idea how great it is to know you'll be coming in my ears regularly (laughs) once more. Who are? Well, I hope we clean out all that wax. (laughs) That would be nice. It's been far, far too long, and the world needs a beacon of light in the darkness more than ever. (laughs) I'm I'm quite happy to be all alone. This is is, uh, much more optimistic (laughs) than I feel like we actually are. A shining beacon. I've always thought of myself as a bastion of optimism. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, a bastion yeah, I, of something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't. I, I can't wait to learn from, be enthused by, and very occasionally disagree. Well, oh. occasionally is good. Oh, yeah, I can live with that. With your thoughts about comics and know you'll recapture the magic of the good old days. It never really went to I don't know, man. I've, <laughs> I've been trying to think of how many times somebody has gone back to something and it's been good. Yeah. I'm struggling. To be honest with you. <laughs> but we'll see. Congratulations on the rebirth, return, revamp, reboot. And here's to the next one in 20 years. With three generations of Leylands as Michael and Andy introduce a wide-eyed Michael 2.0. 
to this spandex-filled joy of ours. Thanks for always, Jamie. The idea of having a child just brings you Absolutely. out in hives. I genuinely, yeah. any kind of... Uh, I mean, I had to do a lot of silly things to offset the maturity of getting a mortgage, let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael and Dana are not in a hurry to have children. I'm not in a hurry to be a granddad. Jeez, so I, I can't think of anything. i got a dog, that's enough. That's yeah. more than enough. Oh, God, yeah. Anyway, the coming of the Avengers... Well. <laughs> I don't know if they came at the same time as the Hulk. <laughs> the Avengers soggy biscuit. But simultaneous coming is, is certainly something to be achieved. Um, devoutly hoped for. Stanley was the writer. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Jack Kirby was the penciler. Dick Ayres was the inker. Startlingly original title from Stanley, though. <laughs> Uh, gives us a new team title, The Avengers. I think this cover is incredibly uninspired and lacklustre for Jack Kirby. We don't see the villain properly. Instead, we're told in the caption that it's Loki. There's a lot of copy, perhaps to hide that this isn't a great cover. And the layout struggles to fit everyone on comfortably. What do you think? Yeah, it feels like he wasn't quite... Well, I don't know, because he's doing the Fantastic Four for a while, but it does feel like someone has never kind of done, like, a team image mm, before. Which is when he did Challenges the Unknown before yeah, that. Yeah, So it, it does... I don't know. I, don't, I, I think it looks... It looks both cramped and there's not enough action on it at the same time. But I feel like a lot of it... There's a lot of text that's trying to introduce the characters that we can see anyway. We'll, yeah. I mean, we'll get to this a lot kind of inside it as well. But this entire issue cover as well wants to tell rather than show. Yeah, oh God. I actually found this one quite hard work. Yeah. I uh, don't think I'm giving anything away though. But anyway, uh, Loki, God of Mischief, decides to irritate his half-brother Thor, God of Thunder, by manipulating the Hulk into doing some property damage. Rick Jones and the Teen Brigade, oh my <laughs> dear God, alert Thor via radio waves after the Fantastic Four tell him they are too busy to be farting around with teenagers. Iron Man isn't too busy to be hanging around with a bunch of teenage boys, and neither are Ant-Man and the Wasp. They track the Hulk down in a circus, uh, and this confusion leads to hysterical misunderstanding. Thor tracks down Loki and uses the power of magnetism to defeat him. Yes, he does. Thor takes Loki to stop Iron Man and the Hulk from fighting, but Loki makes himself radioactive to escape. However... <laughs> Ant-Man just happens to have a lead li lead-lined tank in the basement of wherever the hell they've ended <laughs> up in. And Loki just happens to step on the secret pebble that reveals a trapdoor that just happens to be above the lead-lined tank that Loki falls into. With this series of misadventures over, they decide to band together to become a new super team. In lieu of any other name... They call themselves the Avengers because they are big fans of John Steed <laughs> and Emma Peel. What are the Avengers? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> if the Iron Man one was relatively well told as a story. Yeah. And if the Hulk one felt like they'd actually put some forethought into it and yeah. plotted well and scripted well. This is neither of those things. Which is weird as well, because it's not very good, but this is the first Avengers film. Yeah! It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it is literally it's... the first Avengers film, but done properly. Yeah. <laughs> and done well. Yeah. It's like, 
So, the writer-director of the Avengers was Joss Whedon. Do we have to say something now when we say Joss Whedon? Uh, oh, it, it was written by, by Joss Whedon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and it's like he read this and went, right, okay, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it better. Yeah. Which is a better approach than Taika Waititi, he went, to be I'm fair, not going to do who that. read it and went, right, yeah, we won't be doing any of that. <laughs> I, I prefer the former's approach. I'll be brutally honest with you. Because this... As a as a comic, this only works as a comedy. This only works as a pastiche. But it's not designed to be like that. As no, well. it isn't. <laughs> but it's far too random to be taken seriously. It's it feels or it reads like they wanted to put all of these characters together, but had no idea how to get from A to B. No, you know what it reads as? Oh dear, we've got a slot on the schedule. Right. Okay. Maybe we should do something with it and and make some money. Yeah. What should we do? Uh, we just throw a bunch of our characters together. You know, like Justice League. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. All right. Well, toddle off, Jack. <laughs> Draw me a bunch of pages that are just random <laughs> and not linked together by any coherent plot. Yeah. And I'll just write some dialogue. Will you write too much dialogue, though? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll write more than enough dialogue. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll fill the gaps. Yeah. Will, will you write so much dialogue that it crams the art out of the panels in pages, Stan? Oh, yeah, I can do that. I mean, as well, there's so, much, there's so many panels... Where there's narration and then like the characters also narrated it. Yep, yep, yep. And unlike this, the film gives them something to avenge. I mean, I like I like Loki kind of seeing his his angry eyes. <laughs> like he's that, that, that's I kind of, your angry it's, eyes. It's a pretty cool visual. Yeah, the, well, a lot of the visuals are interesting. And don't tell me the Hulk's not flying in this comic. But the plot is, the, I mean, the plan of Loki is just I'm going to make myself appear in front of a train track. It's like what. <laughs> Because that will confuse everybody, yeah? Yeah, and then, you know, the, so the Hulk, everyone thinks that the Hulk is a villain. But then you get to Hulk in the circus and no, everyone's just forgotten who the Hulk is because he's put a little bit of... Like, to, this can't decide on whether people know who the Hulk is or not. Yes. But I also like what well, another thing that the movie does as well, that this comic does as well, but the movie does it better. He actually gives Loki what he wants. Yeah. At the end of this. At the start of the story, Loki's imprisoned on the Isle of Silence. Yeah. Sounds like a nice place to visit. Thor actually frees him from here, takes him to Earth. Yeah. He says Odin gave him permission, but I'm not really clear why Odin would do that. Also, no, he didn't. Well, no, he didn't. <laughs> and then actually he gives Loki what he wants. And at yeah. the end of the Avengers movie, if you actually look at it, Loki gets what he wants. Well, even in this, like, I don't know what Thor's just like, I'm going to like stick you to my magnet hammer. <laughs> I love, I love that Thor's got And then we'll just be like, I will punish you by removing you from your prison. <laughs> oh, God. They, they just don't come across as very And bright. again, so why aren't the Fantastic Four in this? Uh, because I moved the sound waves so that they didn't get them. But they do! <laughs> they get them anyway! It's like everyone else, oh, we're too busy to help you bunch of kids. They're just moving some stuff around. Like they're just doing a bit of DIY. It's like, yeah, too busy, guys. <laughs> we also get... They're just rearranging the Baxter building and like, I can't be bothered with none of this. And I also firmly believe that Mark Miller only read this one issue of The Avengers and thought, yeah, Ant-Man is a wife beater. <laughs> I firmly believe Mark Miller only read this one issue of The Avengers just because... Like, that's all I believe. He's not a very nice person, and then he's getting a bit pissy that his yeah. wife, girlfriend, whatever, is fancying another man. He's like, no, yeah. focus well, on me. Let's be honest, the writing of the Wasp in this is awful. Oh, I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp are just... 
Ooh, look at him. He's mm. handsome. I bet he won't. Li- uh, he, he won't hit me. <laughs> he won't hit me. Shut up, you silly woman. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, but that's legitimate dialogue. Yeah. Uh, as usual for Marvel newspapers, they get a new edition out straight away. Yeah, which, the exposition news press, which is is almost wonderful. I could believe what you were just talking about that he could block a radio wave. Yeah. But changing its broadcasting frequency seems a bit of a stretch, especially when, like we've just pointed out, the FF, they pick it up anyway. Yeah. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. Ant-Man's a massive sexist dick throughout this entire comic, not even in a contextual way. No. In the way that General Thunderbolt Ross in the whole, you could go, right, well, he's a man of a certain generation in a 1960s comic, so he's already an older dude. Yeah. He's going to be a bit of a sexist prick. Yeah. But... He's a... Ant-Man's just a dick, isn't he? <laughs> He's just a dick, yeah. Fair play to Paul Rudd <laughs> for making this guy likeable. Um, millionaire, playboy, industrialist, and all-round busy bloke Tony Stark is so bored, he decides to follow up on a radio broadcast just because he's intrigued if the Hulk is real or not. Which he goes into what you were saying, that yeah. they can't decide. Well, I couldn't remember when... Because I remember in an issue of Iron Man... He does fight the Hulk, and I couldn't remember which was first or, or after, but this must have come first. It must have, have met yet. it must have been before that. But the Fantastic Four could surely tell him. He, well, yeah, because they've true. met the Hulk. I mean, it is a nice. That's a nice little difference between then and now. Now, photos of the Hulk and video of the Hulk will be all over TikTok. Yeah, but in 1963, it is feasible a creature like that could exist. Yeah. And people not be aware of it. But also you would have thought that Fantastic Four would just be like, yeah, there's this big dude called the Hulk. We fought him in these caves. Yeah. And toe-to-toe with a thing. And... Yeah, Iron Man, he's real. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I bet Iron Man don't think the moon's real, though, does he? <laughs> he seems that kind of person. How much time's passed in this story? I mean, enough that the Hulk now has a job but everyone's forgotten who the Hulk is. <laughs> that a little bit of clown makeup makes everyone forget. <laughs> But no, what's even better than that? He's in a circus. He's got a job as a strongman. He's juggling elephants and a horse and a seal. Is that? And yeah, I'm like, yeah. That's surely animal cruelty. Yeah, well. But taking that out of out of circulation for a minute, in the space of a few hours, the Hulk, not Bruce Banner. Yep. The Hulk has gone and got a job. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it. I mean, everyone, everyone gives the Hulk a lot of grief, but the man went out and got a job. He's a hard-working man. He wants to give back to his community. Yeah, just leave him alone. Yeah. Like he wants, and let him work in the circus. <laughs> but what's up? It's, it's not just that he's got a job in the circus. They've got clown makeup on him. Yeah. And he's wearing the jumpsuit with the, the pommeled boots. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I'm looking at that, right? And there is no way you can take that panel seriously. Oh, no. But uh, in the story around, it's like, so everyone's just forgotten who the Hulk is. Like, ah, he's Meccano. He has to be a robot because there's he's no way anyone could be that strong. I'd forgotten that. Yeah, they think he's a robot. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. And then a bunch of ants trap him <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> and the panel, you can see his feet and his clown <laughs> You are just expecting, like, comedy penny whistle music <laughs> throughout the entire thing. This sequence is laughably bad. This, but this funny. definitely is Jack just going, right. Let, right, Stan. <laughs> let's see you work your way out of this. 
I'm going to give you a couple of pages of the whole walking in the circus. So you take credit for that. Yesterday in the bullpen, Stan ate Jack's sandwich from the fridge. Today, Jack got his own back. <laughs> oh, God. And it, you get halfway through this, and I I honestly got halfway through this and started finding this one a slog. I forgot that Loki was even in it at this yeah. point. And it's, it is just they fight with each other. You've even got a bit from Age of Ultron where Thor takes off on his own vision quest. Yeah. So again, you know, we didn't read this. The, th- the Thor bits actually started being all right at this point, and then you got to the magnetic hammer. And then you got to the magnetic hammer. And it's just remarkably silly, the fight between Thor and Loki. And in comparison to the other two, well, Iron Man is very much of his time, but was a good story. Yeah. And it worked, and it read well, and it was fun to read. And the Hulk, certainly the first half, it was brilliant. One of the best things Stan and Jack ever did together. To go to this... Yeah. It's like a... This is like a modern Marvel movie. (laughs) It's like a Phase 4 modern Marvel movie. So maybe they are being like the comics. Well, yeah. Where they're at the point where we... It's like Stan didn't take this seriously, (laughs) so why should we? You know... But um, I actually enjoyed the, the Thor stuff on the Isle of Silence. Like I said, it's you got all the little goblin dudes. They oh, yeah, cool. I like the goblin dudes. And then you've got... Yeah, Loki starts getting a bit silly. He's like, well, I'm going to jump off this island. Well, no, you're not. Here, here's my <laughs> magnet hammer. Also, why did magnet he not just jump hammer? off the island anyway if that was a thing that he could do? I don't know. I, I, I found a lot of the back half to be just very repetitive. And... Thor may be able to use his hammer to attract magnetic forces of the planet. But even Fine. then, that's, that's, there's nothing magnetic about Loki. Well, yeah, what? unless he's got a metal plate in his head. Which he does, he grabs it by the arse. Yeah. And then, like, what's well, that about? I mean, and, and if he's attracting his helmet, Loki could just take the helmet off. Yeah. No, he doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Does it? But now we're in a car factory. <laughs> yeah, for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> we've ended up in a car manufacturer. A car manufacturer that is also built on the top of a radioactive dump yeah because that has a trap door because the next <laughs> disguised thing, as the pavement the next thing ant-man's got a trap door though that he's previously around why with the big little ghostbusters tank underneath it yes it's uh, i don't know man this is jack throwing shit together and stan <laughs> doing his best and there's so much there's a, there's an almost John Byrne level of dialogue to explain everything <laughs> everything at the end the exposition dump <laughs> yeah. where we try as as far as we can to explain what on earth has gone on here and uh, they're all just like well let's team up okay <laughs> <laughs> why why are we teaming up because, because it'll be fun because the powers that be say so because we need a new magazine well yeah all right fair and the hulk's just like oh okay yeah i don't want to fight you guys anymore i will join you too yeah but the hulk was sensible and he's the first one to quit <laughs> i think he only lasts like three issues and he goes oh, i don't know stop <laughs> As I would have to bring in Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Well, they bring in Captain America with issue four, don't they? But I think maybe one of them, I don't know whether it's Stan or Jack, thought, we can't have the Hulk be a wanted man in hunted by issue. the military in the Hulk. <laughs> and in the Avengers, he's working with corporate stooge Tony Stark. <laughs> How does that work? Yeah. So perhaps writing the Hulk out of it was for the best. This was easily the lesser of the three. The Hulk origin's pretty good and deals with body horror. Even in you know an era where body horror didn't exist, Iron Man's a solid Cold War actioner with some decent characterization. There's some one-dimensional characters as well, but at least they were trying. This is meandering. Yeah. No one has much character, and what they do is facile and unpleasant. There's no reason whatsoever 
for them to stay as a team at the end of this because there's no point in this issue do they work as a team no they're just constantly arguing they should have realized they're much better apart than they are <laughs> together the sheer raw power of the Hulk and Thor and Iron Man should have resulted in a story whereby the threat was something that these three could not accomplish, giving impetus to them staying together, unless, you know, Loki gets beaten by falling up. Well, yeah, because the big bad, Thor deals with on his own, and then he comes back to go, sorted it. Yeah. Oh no, I let him loose. If only I hadn't freed him from his jail. Yeah, Thor once again just goes, yeah, well, look, he was, was proving a bit of a jerk, but uh, I've beaten him and it's all good and we're all fine now. Here. <laughs> now, How are you? By the way, let's join a team. <laughs> you bunch of strangers. <laughs> like Tony Stark at no point says, yeah, I'm a multi-billionaire industrialist. I've got like companies to run. <laughs> I'm going to build a mansion and you can all share my butler. Yeah. And Thor doesn't go, well, wait a minute, I'm a doctor, so I'm on call. <laughs> Quite a lot of the time. I don't I've forgotten that he was a doctor as well. Yeah, he's Dr. Don Blake. Because that's a silly, silly secret. He doesn't need a secret he identity. And they get rid of it eventually. Yeah, to be don't yeah. they take Jane Foster to Asgard and she can't handle it? And then right, they get okay. rid of Don Blake completely and he just becomes Thor all the time. Yeah, because that's something that... It, they must have got rid of it for a while. Because I, I, I do know that he was Don Blake, but he hasn't been for decades at this point. No, and they kind of write themselves into a corner with him, don't they? Because then they say, yeah, well, Don Blake was never real. And then somebody said, so who went into the <laughs> cave and found the Hammer of Thor? Don, oh, yeah. Don, <laughs> they got imagine all those patients. Oh, God, my cancer's come back. <laughs> if, <laughs> I don't think he was if, never real. If, if, only the, <laughs> if only Don Blake had been real, all those people had stayed alive. <laughs> Thanks, Odin. <laughs> Oh, anyway, that was uh, three, well, two classics and one comic from the <laughs> Marvel Age, the Silver Age of Marvel. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was fun. Uh, what are we doing next time? I don't know. More Avengers. <laughs> We're not doing more Avengers. Uh, we are pondering doing Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' Pulp next time, which will probably not be as funny, but will actually be a better comic. Yeah. Um, or on the docket as well is Parker, but you're waiting for the big fat paperback that's coming out soon that publishes all four we'll of them. see what bonus features are in it, because those martini editions are also very nice. Are they both still available, though? Oh, probably not. That's what the I second, was thinking. The second one is. Right. Because we do want to cover Darwin Cook's Parker, because that is some brilliant comics. So they're coming your way. Uh, and your Christmas episode will be there soon as well. Oh, for them, yeah. Yeah, for them. For <laughs> us, for us, this is still the 27th of August. For you guys, it's what? Beginning of October, end of October? Yeah. This is episode three. So, yeah, three probably end now. of October, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed that. You can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com and you can be like Rob and Michael and Damien Lee. Uh, by dropping us a line and letting us know how much you hated us taking the piss out of Avengers number one. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's, go back and read it. It's not good. Um, if you listen to it and go, you know what? An evening with those guys where I buy them a pint would be lovely. <laughs> uh, we have a Ko-Fi. Uh, K-O-F-I slash Ireland. Uh, donate some money to that and I'm going to give some of it to Michael at Christmas time. That'll be a bonus. Be, you, you get a Christmas bonus. Wow. Finally. <laughs> Finally, this podcasting lark. <laughs> Reaping dividends. This time next year, Rodders. <laughs> we'll be millionaires. <laughs> That's not likely. 
Uh, thank you to the people that have already donated to the Kofi. That is very much appreciated. People have already given us our Christmas bonus. That's very nice. That's very lovely of them. So thank you very much to you guys. You know who you are. Uh, anyone else? Again, we're not setting up a Patreon. We can't be bothered on that filth. Yeah. We don't expect you to pay the same amount of money every month. Times are hard. They are. Money is hard to come by. And let's be brutally honest, neither of us can be bothered doing the extra content. Oh, yeah. Let's not. Obligations. <laughs> yeah. Let's I not. Don't, I don't commit. Yeah, let's... I, don't, I don't get attached to anything I can't walk away from in 30 seconds. All right, Robert De Niro. <laughs> and we'll, uh, so that's it. We'll see you next week with whatever it is we decide to do. It will probably be one of those two things. But we are. Oh, it's pointless saying we're going to the nice convention. A little bit and gone we'll by been. the time this gets released. Yeah. Anyway, we will. We are going to the nice convention in Bedford next week as we record this. But I'll probably put all that on the socials. I'm on X. As it is now. Can't dead name it. Oh, call yeah, it Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so are you. I am. And I'm on Facebook, so is him. And Air Kids Comics is on there. And I'm also on Threads. And I'm also on Blue Sky. I don't know what any of these things are. I thought you were the young studly one. And absolutely, I'm the old dude, Sammy Wears. No, I still have a MySpace. <laughs> Do you still have your noodlings and your guitar <laughs> and your MySpace? Okay. Uh, so next week we'll cover either Pulp or Parker. Or maybe something that begins with P. There's nothing to do with those things, who can say. Uh, and we'll see you all again real soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands To Do production and hosted by Andrew and Michael Leyland. All opinions expressed in the show are the opinions of the hosts and no one else. The free-to-use music that closes and opens the show was the sci-fi cyberbunk trailer by somebody called Stringer Bell on the pixabay.com free-to-use website. Thank you very much to him. If you would like to support the show, you can buy Michael and I, or both of us, or one of us, a coffee. Go to co-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash Leyland. In one month, an all-new episode of Hey Kids Comics, coming in your ears. It's a date.